I went to a lunch yesterday with some big city fund managers, you know, big bash, a lot of their big investors. And, you know, one of their top, and these are really seriously big people, you know, managing billions. And one of their top guys was just really, really bullish about Brexit Britain. Now we can be bullish about Brexit Britain, and we can see great things happening in the economy, but there is of course also this danger uh, that it overheats and leads to inflation, which of course from an investment side is what we're gonna think about very, very carefully. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing, and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, the big story this week is, of course, the football, but there is an economic angle. There's some, if you ask me, shifty economic literature about whether winning tournaments has a big effect on the economy. In this case, there is a plausible case to be made, but what do you think about it? Well, the first thing I think is how lucky I am to have a ticket to go on Sunday. Hooray! So I'm very, very excited about that. Um, and I've been following... England in these tournaments since the World Cup of 1970. I don't remember 66. Um, and yeah, you know, the song, 30 years of hurt, but well, it's been 55 years of hurt. So just the fact we're there is good. Um, interesting, a um, couple of the supermarket bosses this morning, uh, that their sales yesterday were just through the roof. Uh, pizzas, disposable barbecues, crisps, twiglets, peanuts, and of course, booze. Um, and I think there is going to be a massive spending spree over this weekend. This is going to be, this is going to be as big, if not bigger, than a royal wedding, uh, than you know our previous semi-final appearances. This is huge. And after a period of lockdown, and even though there are thirty thousand new cases a day, we've kind of reached the point no one cares anymore. No one's interested anymore. So it's going to be a mega, mega weekend. So yeah, uh, there's going to be a lift to consumer spending. Uh, whether that, whether you measure that, you know, in hundreds of millions or in billions, I, I really can't say. Um, but there is something else called a feel-good factor uh, that is very, good, very important within an economy. Um, and there are one or two interesting signs, you know, outside of um, the football, which is going great, but one or two quite bullish bits of news we've seen over the last week, you know, the, the Nissan investment in Sunderland. Uh, then this week we get Ellesmere Port, you know, where Vauxhall are announcing new capacity and new production. Um, and just interesting little pieces of news coming out that the French have totally failed to take the City of London away as they thought they would in 2016. So, all right, you know, you and I are worried about inflation coming down the track and we've got every right to do so. But in the short term, I think things feel reasonably good. Um, and I think in relative terms, uh, where the UK is compared to Germany and France and Italy, in relative terms, we're actually now in a very good position. I just, it's funny, just going out about my daily business. I, I met yesterday, I went to a lunch yesterday with some big city fund managers, you know, big bash, a lot of their big investors. And, you know, one of their top, and these are really seriously big people, you know, managing billions. And one of their top guys was just really, really bullish about Brexit Britain. Now, we can be bullish about Brexit Britain, and we can see great things happening in the economy, but there is, of course, also this danger uh, that it overheats and leads to inflation, which, of course, from an investment side, is what we're going to think about very, very carefully over the next few months. 
it's not just the city boys that are you know, getting very optimistic. It's also Rishi Sunak in his mansion house speech, which is a topic that we're going <coughs> to dig into a bit more today. It sounds incredibly boring. So, Nigel, why don't you first of all explain why well, it matters? Yeah, every year there is a big mansion house speech and it's given by the Chancellor. And normally it's a grand occasion, you know, with with, with champagne before and, 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 and trumpeters. And I mean, I've been to them and they're amazing. Uh, obviously not quite the case uh, with COVID. Um, but I thought what Sunak said was really interesting. We've been through a five-year debate that the European Union won't give our financial markets equivalents, uh, which means they don't recognise our financial markets as being as good as theirs. They'll give equivalents all over the world to everybody else, but not to us. And they've always, the EU have always hated the City of London. They hate what they see as Anglo-Saxon capitalism. They're much more fans of you know command control style economies and all right we may have our criticisms of the financial services industry um, and the fact that it does need to reform but it's britain's biggest employer and the big mistake everybody makes ah well it's just those guys in canary wharf and in the city and 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 and, and, and in, in st james's square and they're all earning a million quid a year and driving ferraris and and and, and uh, we hate them but actually Two-thirds of jobs in financial services are in the provinces. They're in Edinburgh, they're in Newcastle, they're in Southampton, they're in Exeter, you know, and it is the pension industry, and it is the insurance industry, and it is all of those things, and it's Britain's biggest industry. So where it goes is vitally important to all of us, hugely important to tax revenues. And what Sunak did for the first time in that Mansion House speech was to say, look, basically, we couldn't care less what the EU says. We are now a sovereign country. We're going to chart our own course. We're going to make legislation that is appropriate to our own economy. But can you imagine, for 30 years I've been saying that we should be making the legislation that affects Britain's biggest industry, not have it handed down to us by a bunch of socialists, Marxists, in the European Commission and the European Parliament. And we're going to go global. And I just thought, wow, you know, he's encapsulated in that speech so much of what I fought for for three decades. Now, with Boris Johnson's government, you do have to be careful because he's very good at making all sorts of promises because that's what the punters want to hear without any real intention of delivering it. But you know something? I actually believed Sunak when he said what he said in that Mansion House speech. And it's worth remembering, you know, unlike most of our cabinet ministers who have no expertise at all in the well, in life, but in the areas that they're managing, you know, Sunak actually did work in financial services, in fund management. He's a clever bloke of that. There's no doubt, and he has an understanding of this industry. And I, it, frankly, it was music to my ears. It was rather than begging for crumbs from the table from Monsieur Barnier or whoever it may be. This was a big chest out. Well, if that's if Rishi can be big, he's about five foot six. But but it was a big, you know, chest out. We're going to do this. We're in control. And I think uh, I think that was really, really good news for the UK. Yeah, the fact that this is about the financial industry is, is, I think, a distraction. What it's really telling people is that we don't have to worry so much about Brexit in name only happening. We really are going to diverge from what the EU does. And financial services are coming first or very early in that. But it looks like the government, or at least the Chancellor, is willing to diverge. And he made specific reference often to a sovereign approach to being different from the EU. 
So now people are realizing that, that the legislation, as you say, is going to be relevant for Britain. And that was the purpose of Brexit, to, to get the right laws for Britain rather than you know some awkward in-between for the right Absolutely. laws for all of the EU. So if all of that gets applied then to other industries in the UK, you could see the proper Brexit benefit and boom that I suppose we all hoped for. Yes. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, look, you know, what happened in Sunderland? I mean, clearly, clearly there was some degree of government incentive. We don't know what it was because they ain't going to tell us, but there clearly was some degree of government incentive. Um, and all right, I'm a free marketeer. But if we're seeing the beginnings of a thought through industrial policy from the government, a strategic industrial policy from the government, frankly, that's to be welcome. And I'd rather we spent money doing that and then giving it in you know, 15 billion pound a year contributions to the European Union. So yeah, no, no, I think there are some very, very, there's some very good signs out there in terms of jobs, some good signs out there in terms of wages, which are up, you know, 7.8% over the course of the last year. And that's good for ordinary folk. And again, you know, I remember Sir Stuart Rose, who was in charge of the Remain campaign being interviewed. And they asked him, they said, so if Brexit happens, Sir Stuart, Will wages go up? He said, yes. And I don't think that would be a good thing. And it kind of summed up how, you know, the upper middle classes, those with wealth, actually wanted free movement to continue because they wanted wages to be on the floor. And ordinary folks said, no, actually, we want a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. And we're beginning to see some of that too. So look, there are lots of problems out there. Um, internationally, I thought, the 100th anniversary of the foundation of the Communist Party in China, I thought what President Xi said about Taiwan was chilling uh, and, and very, very worrying. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that, that they'll invade tomorrow. But, you know, at some point, we're going to face a military situation out there. Internally, we've got the ongoing cultural war, uh, you know, where we seem to have uh, a, a percentage of people who hate the country, hate its history, uh, and are obsessed with transgender issues and things like this. And so we have those problems to deal with. We've got the inflationary problem to deal with. And of course, the bigger the boom, in a way, the bigger the inflation will be. And we have to understand that. But as I say, in relative terms, we are doing so much better outside the European Union than we would be inside the European Union. And the great news is the argument about us rejoining is now dead. Just as I was called a fruitcake and a loony for thinking we should leave, those that now want to join are fully paid up members of the fruitcake club. So it isn't going to happen. So there's now an acceptance <coughs> that we're going to do things our way. There was no kickback. This is the interesting thing. There was almost no kickback against what Sunak said. Yes, the Radio 4 Today programme, you know, somewhat lamented it, but not, but not in a serious, hard-hitting, attacking way. So we're in a new place. We're going in a different direction. You know, it's what I've always fought for. And I think we're seeing some benefits already. So look, what with that in the football, um, maybe even the rain will stop. Um, and I think there are reasons for now to be quite cheery. Let's finish on uh, an investment angle here. One of the things that Sunak mentioned in the speech was the idea of making it easier for stocks to list in London. And uh, obviously the fintech sector is going to be a big part of that. I think he was targeting that, to be honest. And we've had TransferWise, or they've listed under the name Wise, list. And yeah. you told me something that I didn't know about this company and uh, Brexit angle. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so TransferWise, Wise as it's known, um, has, has launched, the app has launched, it's now you know, been sold publicly uh, for 8.8 .8 billion sterling, uh, netting the two founders over a billion each. And the two founders are two young lads from Estonia. Estonia, which I think I'm right in saying, is the most high-tech online population in the world. There's only a million of them. Um, I gave a speech there a couple of years ago. I said, it's funny, isn't it? I've got more Twitter followers than you've got people. But so it's a very small little country, perched perilously next door to Putin's Russia. Um, but they really have embraced modern technology in every way, remarkably. There's no country anywhere near it uh, that I can see. So these two young entrepreneurs in their 20s set this thing up. But they said in 2016, if Brexit happens, we're leaving London. They've been Ramonas all the way through, but now they've gone very quiet on that and decided to list, not in Amsterdam, but to list on the London Stock Exchange. And it really reinforces, Nick, what I just said. All the anti-arguments about Brexit are gone. These guys have proved it this week. Uh, it, clearly, what they've set up is very good and very efficient and you know, good, you know, good for them. Uh, but once again, it's a real vote of confidence in the United Kingdom. And I would even argue, I would even argue that the bid for Morrison's, and okay, there are concerns, would it be asset stripped, et cetera, but, but, but I would even argue that the bid for Morrison's coming with US money is another great vote of confidence in the United Kingdom. So I'm being very bullish today, uh, and I think I'm right to feel bullish today. Uh, the trouble is that inflation could be rather like the hangover millions of people have on Monday morning after we've won the European Championships.